The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talk about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff? No. Uh, you didn't watch? <laughs> no, I did not watch Thursday Night Football. It was the Carson Wentz tracker, man. The Colts versus the Jets. Yeah, I know. It was bad. But seriously, do you need to say anything other than Colts versus Jets? No, I don't. Why don't we just go right to our first union guest and talk some soccer before we do everything? Uh, I would love to. Uh, right now, we have on the line Daniel Gosdog, who is on the MLS player as on the team of the week. And we understand a second reason for congratulations on having another child. Daniel, how you doing? Hey, hi everyone. I am very fine, thank you very much. So Daniel, before we get to the, the big uh, MLS team of the week and how you guys are doing as a team, how do you play soccer for an entire match and get sleep? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the last uh, few matches we, we were good as a team. Uh, and after we we were sleeping good because because we're playing good on the game. So what's this season been like for you coming over from playing in Hungary, the adjustment to living in the Philadelphia area? Yeah, in the whole of my career before I I was playing in Hungary, that's my country when I when I was born, uh, and since five months, yeah, around. Uh, more or less, uh, I'm playing for Philadelphia Union, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. What's it, what's the biggest difference between playing in the league that you were in and playing here in the MLS? We we saw you say how excited you were because you thought it really fit your style. Yeah, yeah, I was I was excited when I when I uh, knew the knew about this uh, opportunity that uh, I I could come here. Uh, I think the biggest difference that the, the between the Hungarian league and between the MLS is the is the rhythm of the of the games, the tempo of the games. Because I think here the games are are uh, faster than than in Hungary and more physical. So I think this is the this is the biggest difference. When you got to the United States and started playing for the Union, there's a period of a, adjustment, a period where you have to get used to your new teammates. And you had to do that in the middle of a season. What was it like to get involved with them and learn about your new teammates and then to grow with them to the point that you've gotten so good as a team that you've moved up the ladder to being in second place as you head into the playoffs? Yeah, to be honest, uh, was easy to to adapt to the dressing room because uh, when I arrived, the the guys was was nice with me and uh, they were really really helpful with me. So so it was easy to to adapt uh, to the dressing room. Uh, what was uh, a bit more difficult to me uh, is to get used to it, uh, to the game style how we are playing. Uh, so that's that's took a while, but uh, I think uh, I can say already now that uh, that I that I'm used to it uh, and I can help a team. Uh, I scored a couple of goals in the in the last game, so so yeah, I'm I I feel I feel better now. 
we've been lucky enough to talk to Coach Curtin a few times on the show. What's it been like to get to work with him here in Philadelphia? He's a very good guy. Uh, he was the first to, who who called me uh, when I was uh, in Hungary, and uh, he told me that uh, he wants me here. He he wants uh, me as a union player. So so he's a very good guy. And uh, when I arrived, he he helped me a lot to to adapt uh, to the team. As far as the rest of your teammates, who was the one that came to you first and kind of welcomed you into the team? And, and what was it like? We've talked to a lot of your teammates, and, and your teammates all seem to really love being around each other. What has it been like to kind of fit into a group that seems so to so enjoy playing with each other and be off the pitch together? Uh, yeah, that, uh, that's a hard question, that who was the first uh... Uh, how I how I say before I was lucky because when I arrived uh, after three days, uh, three of my teammates uh, they called me to to hang out uh, together and we we went to 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 make some jet ski and uh, fishing together. Uh, they were Jacob Blesnes, uh, Cole Turner, and uh, Leon Fleck. But after after I. Uh, I have a very good relationship with Stuart Findlay. He's also uh, also a new guy in the team, like like me. So, uh, but that, but but I can say everybody because uh, really the the whole team was was really nice with me. All right. So here's the important questions: Have have they taken you for cheesesteak yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I didn't try yet. All right. We'll have to send one over. So, so the second is, this is a favorite of mine, and I'm hoping that at some point we get to go over to Budapest. Have you? Are you a fan of, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Kurtos Calix? Oh, so, sorry, what? Kurtos Calix. It's, it's the chimney cake. The Kurtos Calix. Jeff's big food, food guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know what is that. Oh. Jeff, your research did not pay off there. I know. What can I tell you? So we're he- we're heading now to the end of the season, and you're about yeah. to start your first playoffs in the MLS. Uh, how are you guys getting ready for the end of the season in the last game, and, and, and how much are you looking forward to your first MLS playoffs? Yeah, we are, we are happy that uh, uh, we are already in the playoffs, and uh, that's also sure that we will uh, start the playoff uh, in, at home uh, in front of our fans. Uh, I think that that would help us a lot. So we are happy because of this, uh, and we are exciting. Uh, we wanna we wanna win uh, as uh, as many games as as we can. We know in the locker room some people are are gamers. Are you a guy that plays FIFA at all and plays yourself in soccer. Uh, to be honest, I am not a not a big gamer, but uh, sometimes I I used to play FIFA with my son. Uh, we enjoy because now now I am in the game. This is the first time because the Hungarian league is is not in the in the in the FIFA game. But uh, but yeah, we we enjoy. We can play with myself in the in the FIFA. So so yeah, that's that's the only one what I what I used to play. So so does your son play as you? Or does he play as somebody else? Uh, most of the times, as me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets you and your skills. It, it leads to an interesting question, though. You you end up in the game 
What was it like when you got to wear that uniform for your country and play for them? Uh, that's very important for me. Uh, when I was a uh, when I was a kid, that that uh, was my dream to to play for my country. Uh, so now I am now I am really happy that uh, that I can play play for play for them. Uh, that's uh, that's a bit uh, tough to travel back to Hungary and after back here uh, in every month now because uh, because we had a lot of game with the national team. But uh, but I am do that uh, as happy. Well, Daniel will be watching this weekend as you have the last regular season game and then uh, hope to catch the home game that you guys have clinched for the playoffs. Thanks so much for the time, and we wish you the best of luck going forward with the team. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks so much. You have a great day. Jeff, can you imagine coming over midseason into a team that had the success the Union had last year and the expectations they have and fitting in like he has? He's talked about it, scoring goals. He clearly has found some people on the team that feel comfortable. I, I, we have to get him a cheesesteak. But other than that, he's doing well. Well, apparently we have to get him a chimney cake too. Yeah. So, so, so I was you know, I was in Prague a couple of years ago, and it, apparently it's a Hungarian dessert is this chimney cake. So, I think somebody lied to you. <laughs> no, I made sure to check. And in fact, if you type in top 15 Hungarian dishes, it comes up, okay? So... He just may eat healthy. Yes, that's so, the problem. So, so I have to tell you, it's it's like a big donut. With so, so what you're telling me is we have to have somebody who is not a healthy eater on the show. Yes, we need to go back to offensive linemen is apparently what we need to do. Because when we ask offensive linemen in the NFL that question, they always Defensive linemen too, remember well, that's, well, Sebastian any, Jones anybody. Day with his uh, food show that he's out there with that we exactly. talked to. All right, so you told me you didn't watch last night. Uh, let, let's finish with the Union real fast. They have their last game of the regular season against NYCFC on Sunday. Yep. They've clinched a home game in the playoffs. They're the number two seed right now. Jim Curtin's got to feel pretty good about where this team is. They've had injuries. They've had international time with a lot of players out. They've played a lot of young guys after sending away guys who had names on the team. Uh, your thoughts as we head into the final weekend. I think what's the most impressive about how Curtin has done this and how the team is built, and it, you see this each year, is this is a team that develops over the course of the season. It, soccer is different than a lot of sports that we're used to in that there are lots of changes as the season goes on, and you have to deal with all the variables of a lot of these players playing for their countries, playing in different tournaments, you're not just dedicated to just MLS. And so if you look at them, the snapshot of the middle of the season, lots of guys weren't playing. They were playing for their countries. Andre Blake was was abroad. I mean, there were lots of, and that's your goalie. I mean, one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie. And they've had goalie. injuries to key guys. Right, and, and you had to replace two young up-and-coming stars from last season. And, and... Daniel Goddog was one of those guys that they were able to acquire. And then it took time for him to get over here. And then it takes time to to kind of mesh with the team and know the tendencies of your teammates. And it's all coming together. They moved up and up and up, and now they're in second place. And you wonder if this whole team was together for the whole season, would you be looking at them battling with New England for first place? But whatever happened then, now you're looking at a team that's gelling, getting stronger and they're getting stronger at the time that you want. Yeah, we already got last year the the supporter shield. Now this year, this is when you want the MLS Cup, right? 
Absolutely. So you had three games last night impacting Philadelphia teams. You had the Flyers losing. The Jets, the Jets and the Colts. The Jets and the Colts. Well, wait, were you going to include them? I was. Oh, okay. All right. I was. Because that gonna, does impact. I was going to try to have more there for you. Okay, go ahead. So the, obviously the Flyers lost in overtime to the shorthanded Penguins. Right. Surprised by that. I thought they'd win that game. The Sixers winning a shorthanded game on the road with eight to nine players available. And now has the best record in the East. And the best record in the yeah. East. And then the Colts game where Carson Wentz played 99.2% of the stats. So at this point, he could miss the next 199 snaps to fall below the 75% <laughs> mark. He would have to miss 256 snaps to fall below the 70% mark. And so, I don't know, he needs to reach about 853 snaps or he's about 256 snaps he, away. So you're now asking Eagles fans to go home and get, have the little umpire snaps. clicker and yes. see you get one that has 895 we on it? We should have asked umpire Chris Conroy last night among questions it we didn't ask. It only goes up to four. We should have asked. Really? I have them. I, I, I don't know if I my still, mind. What? I didn't know that the balls and strikes counter only goes up to four. Well, that I believe. Well, technically, why would have, I know that? There have been times where, where umpires have gotten that wrong. Why would I know that? I don't know. I've never actually <laughs> held that. All right. So the Sixers, we talked about how shorthanded they were. Yeah. Shorthanded for injuries, shorthanded for COVID, shorthanded for COVID exposures, and shorthanded for personal I reasons. I think they only played eight players last night. They did. Yeah. Um, and and Corkmas um, was he? I think he was available, but he had a sore wrist. Right. So he didn't really play. They played really well after a slow start and just kind of blew the doors off of him. And B did not have his best game. I don't know if he's tired or Well, you can say that injury. about almost every game he's played this season. I, I was going to ask your concern level. We were down there Wednesday night. He obviously was, had a more physical presence than he did the following night in Detroit. Uh, but you and I looked at his amount of rubbing his knee, falling to the ground, your concern level, I will ask you every week on Joel Embiid. Uh, I'm not going to worry about it right now. All right, you're more worried uh, about Ben Simmons, who's now getting fined again $360,000 for missing a game? Because things are going swimmingly, Jeff. It, that, that situation is just getting worse again. It, it's, 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 it's one of those things that's going to be a constant scare. Does he lose it's not, more? It's not ever going to get better. I, you know, I have to say, I, I, was, I was for getting rid of Ben Simmons two years ago. But I, for some reason, bought in for a very brief moment to, okay, maybe he's going to come around. Maybe he's going to come back. I might even set it on the air. Uh, now I don't buy it. See, it's, uh, it's funny. You were down on him two years ago. I was saying, let's see if we can make it work. Right. You thought that he would come back. I never thought there was a shot he was showing up on the well, court again. Well, he came back. We were both right. He did come back. The problem is he came back and he's just. Well, I think it, it appears. I I would hate to think that somebody is using. A, I agree a, a with condition you. and and that worries me because w when he came back and reported, all the money that was held in escrow was apparently released to him, so he got the money, and then all of a sudden he he was getting help. And by the way, this whole. If the issue is, and I can't believe it is because I can't imagine they would get the NBA wouldn't be coming down on the Sixers. If the issue is whether he should see a mental health professional paid for by the team versus the NFL and the NBA Players Association, there's nothing wrong with him seeing somebody from the Players Association. I think he's seeing somebody from the NBA PA, but he's not telling them what's going well, on. So, so, well, so then that makes you wonder... Because you would think that the NBA would be very sensitive about the situation and the Players Association would be 
very sensitive. And neither of them have come to Ben's defense. Correct. And so that makes you worry about what is going on with Ben Simmons and whether or not he is He's acting in what, good faith. What do attorneys do, counselor? Sometimes it's as important what you don't say as what you do say. Yeah, and, and he doesn't need to tell them all of his condition. I don't think that's the issue. Apparently, he's not telling them anything. anything. Like yeah. even when he's going, I don't think is what he's telling them. Yes. So if he's not going to te- if he's not going to participate in good faith, so that they can help him and they can know that he's participating in good faith. I don't know what he expects. Do they gain, do the Sixers gain any more leverage to hold on to him for the right deal the more they keep winning? You know, a two and seven start is you can't win without Ben, you have to make a deal. A seven and two start is, eh, they're looking okay. No, but I Can told you this. Was, I told you this was, they, they were not, you don't need to do anything till after Christmas because nobody cares about the NBA until after that. We always talk about that's the unofficial real start of the NBA season. Is Sixers aren't even playing on Christmas this year. Yeah, right. But but you now have a situation that they're doing well, and they still don't have their whole the whole complement of players besides him. Now that may change next week. Joel's going to need some time off somewhere in here. There's going to be some load management. You can call what you want, but it is. And you're still not going to have Tobias back. We don't know. You don't know if you're going to have Danny Green back. Whether you like it or not, I think he does add something, and it certainly is better than well, what's at least on the he's bench. a body. Yeah, and, and and so you have those problems, and you're playing better teams. I think they play the Bucks twice, and they're playing good teams over the next couple weeks. And without you can't get away with the eight that they got away with the last couple of games. You get away with it with Detroit because Detroit's one and of no the bottom three to teams. Yang and and Paul Reed, they played well at their time, but. That's not what the team is going to well, win. Well, no, Niang, uh, I've been very impressed He's by. He's been very good. Yes, yeah, so he actually, I could see him developing into a starter, even on this team, depending on what else they get when they trade Ben Simmons. With regard to Paul Reed, I'm still not sold on it. You uh, haven't been sold since we saw him in the G League. No, I, I just, I don't buy but it. But you're not sold on Shake either. I'm not sold on Shake because they changed Shake. So they tried to make Shake a point guard. Shake Wills was not a point guard. He will never be a point guard. He is a turnover machine when he thinks he needs to create. Are you more sold on Maxi now? You no. know I've always been in on Maxi. No. Are you any more sold on no, him? No, I'm not down on him. I'm just not sold on him. Okay. I, I think that if the Sixers are going to make a trade, they're going to ma- likely make a trade for a point guard. And I'm more and more thinking that that's the case. I just don't know who it is. I don't know if this Pacers... A potential Pacers deal that involves Brogdon may be the best move for the Sixers to ha- complement what they already have. They obviously have to wait till December to do that. Jeff, before we hit the break, any final thoughts on those things, and, that, and then we'll break and have our fun conversation with Greg Dobbs. I got nothing else other than the Flyers. I'm impressed, but I'm worried. I don't. I don't buy it yet. Like they keep Do you not talk- buy the goaltending? Do you not buy the... What no, I don't, I don't buy whether or not this group of players on offense is going to be able to create enough points. Well, they're putting it up so far. Let's leave it there. We'll hit the break when we come back. Our Against fun Phoenix. talk with World Series champion for the Phillies, Greg Dobbs. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm. 
and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right. Uh, we are here with Greg Dobbs, former Philadelphia Philly and World Series champion. Greg, how you doing? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Okay. So as, as I uh, reached out to you uh, last week, uh, happy 13th anniversary from the World Series in 2008. What's it been like to just kind of look back at that? Uh, well, one makes me feel very old. Uh, you believe it's 13 years? I, I can't. I, I mean... My wife and I talk about it all the time, how the time has actually flown. And that, that seems to be like our gauge was those four years in Philly. Cause they were so magical. Oh, wait, especially. Uh, and, and so we gauge everything kind of off of that, but we should probably be gauging it like off of our children's births, but no, <laughs> we gauge it. We gauge it off of 2008 and winning the world series. And it's, it is, it's incredible how the time has flown by and every year that passes, um, and I'm sure all of my teammates uh, would feel the same way. You know, we look back on it with, I mean, such fondness and just, you know, the, the memories that flood back, especially as you're watching the postseason, you know, like, and I think for everybody, maybe not you guys, because you guys got to be like locked in for 162 games because you're talking about it every night or every day. Now that we're kind of removed, like at about the all-star break is kind of when, I start to really kind of pique my interest and start to look at stuff and, okay, here we go. Second half, see where teams have shaken it out. And then you get into that late, uh, that late run into um, August and September. And then the post it, it's just, it's magical, you know, and, and then, and then it, and then it ends. And it's like, you know, you feel like this, like this loss, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what, what, what am I going to watch now? What am I going to do? What am I going to talk about? Um, and so it's, it's incredible, man. We saw the Braves win the World Series the other night, which as a Philly fan, obviously, is not something that thrills us. Does it bring back memories of your own time when you watch that game of, of things that happened for you and moments that you experienced? It totally does. Um, it's funny, though, as as the years go by, you 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 forget some of those those instances, some of those memories, like because you're just not you're not recapturing them and you're not you're not talking about them. But as I was, as I watched this postseason, three things literally jumped into my head. One was the play that Chase made. We we're at home. Jason Bartlett, the shortstop, was on second. Former Oklahoma Sooner. He and I were teammates. Um, Bartlett's on second. It was the um, the Japanese second baseman, I think, that hit that ball up the middle. Chase comes across makes the throw to first third base coach sees chase making that attempt, not thinking he's going to, no one thought he was faking it. Like even us in the dugout, we're like, okay, just get the out, right. Whatever he fakes it. Third base coach sees it, sends Bartlett and he throws home to get out uh, Bartlett at home. Chooch lays the tap. Like I'm literally getting goosebumps because you don't see those plays every day, but that Matt, but that play was so crucial because it happened at such a crucial point in the season, in the world series, you know, where the game literally can flip on one play or one run or one pitch. And, and so that I, I just, I vividly remember that. And I vividly remember like my, my head just being blown because 
Chase is obviously a very cerebral guy, but that was like next level. That was literally next level. Like, and it was nothing that he practiced or maybe he did mentally. It, it just, it just talk about being in the moment and, and responding. Um, so was effort. that something, was that something like, did you ever have a chance to talk to him and find out, was it something that as the pitch, like before the pitch, you know, you go through, you know, scenarios in your mind. Is that something that he had already thought about or was it just something that instinctually just happened? I, you know what? I haven't, I have not spoken to him about that. And I, I want to, um, I, I'm sure he's discussed it in interviews, you know, because that was such, it was such a heady play. Right. Um, I would, I would love to know. I, I think it's a probably a combination of both chase was as we all were, we were chase is very good at, surveying the land and running through these scenarios pre-pitch, you know, and, and it's what Steve Smith, uh, Jimmy Williams, Davey Lopes, you know, that staff, they really harped on that and they taught us what it meant to, okay, you know, listen, there's a lot of things that could happen here. Run those through your head so that you're at least prepared for it and you're not caught on your heels and you can execute in the moment when the stakes are the highest. I, I have to think it was a, a little bit of both, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jay said, no, nah, I was just kind of on the fly. Like it just, I just, right when it happened, I just, I just kind of did it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. So what other stories you mentioned, you had three, what, what else comes to your mind this time of year? Cause you could see the excitement as you relive them. I can only imagine the excitement of going through it, but now as you revisit it, you can see you get right back in that moment. You did, it, it's like a time warp, you know, it's like a wormhole. It just takes, takes me back and takes all of us back up. You know, I, I'm fortunate to live. Jimmy and I live near each other and we play golf often. And, and it's going down the, that memory road together. He and I talking about things and the, you know, the memories that we had and these certain things in certain games. I, I, the other thing I vividly remember was the Nor'easter that came through. Right. And that, two and a half, three days where we were just sitting and wondering and waiting what was going to happen. And then we get back to the park and we got to start the game up again, in the middle of the game and we're coming up to hit. And it was in the locker room. It was me, Jeff Jenkins and Matt stairs because they were going to bring in a right-hander and we're all and, and there was no decision made yet on who was going to lead off the inning because we had to pinch hit somebody. And I vividly remember all of us just sitting there. I mean, kind of nerve wracked because who, who needs to get up, who needs to get ready. Who's getting, so we're like, well, we're just all going to get ready. So we go down to the cage. We're hitting, we're doing all this. We're doing, but then we're looking at each other going, you, me, me, you, you, me, me, me. Like, and it was, it was, it was nerve wracking. It really was. And we all were like, we all need to be ready. Let's just prepare as if we're all going to do it. And that was like the beauty of our clubhouse was we were all like this, like we were all pulling for one. It didn't matter if I got the nod, if, if Charlie or Jimmy pointed at me or they pointed at Jeff or they pointed it at. So, or they pointed at, um, at Stairzy. It, it didn't matter. Like it was like, it was like, we were all going up there together. Um, and then they, they picked Jinx and of course they did. Right. And he comes up and he hits that double. So um, that, that was, that was pretty incredible. I mean, again, like 
we have rain delays and you have games that are that are postponed or canceled or whatever but to have that that in during the world series during the, the big you know, the, one of the biggest games of the season um was was pretty incredible and then the third the third story that just jumps out at me was post game after we clinch and we win um burl pat the bat god bless him he uh he rallies everybody up to go to his place to to continue the celebration and we literally had a police escort we're police that escorted us down broad street through the through the pandemonium right i mean like cars are flipped over trash cans with fire coming out of them like i mean it was the city erupted and here we are getting police escorted to Burl's place in like Rittenhouse, you know, and, and Are that, you kidding that, me? I, I'm not, I am not. I, I sat on Broad Street getting out of that park. I was at both of those game fives and I sat in that parking lot in Broad Street for three hours. That's why you sat because Greg was getting an escort to Pat's house. <laughs> Whoa, 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 not just me, all of us, okay? All, whoa, 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 it's all whoa. your fault. <laughs> Fine, I mean, you can put it on me, I, I, whatever. It's um, okay, you can do whatever you want in this city. Yeah, yeah you're a World Series champion series. at that point. You can do anything. <laughs> but it, that that was incredible, guys. Like, seriously, like, to have Philadelphia's finest, like, lead us down and through the pandemonium so that we could get to Burl's and celebrate. And then Burl invited them up you know, to celebrate with us for a little, and they, you know, kind of came up for a little bit. They're like, we got to go back. We're on the clock. We got to go back to work. It, that, that was, that was incredible. But it just goes to show like you win in a city like Philadelphia, like it, it, every, everybody wins, you know, and it was that sense. And it was, it just, it was incredible. Except in traffic, not everybody wins. Jeff's <laughs> yeah. clearly so, not so, over that yet. So, so, Greg, when I hear that story, you say that's what made it special. To me, what made it special, at least from the outside, was seeing how close that team was. And I don't know if you had a chance to see we, the the special on the 86 Mets called Once Upon a Time in Queens. I have. You, you have to see. We had the director on, Nick Davis. But what was what was fascinating about that was how dysfunctional that team was to the point that for the parade, you know, Doc Gooden was was getting drugs instead of and missed the parade and all of these things that were going on. And then you hear about these stories, like the story you just told um, about how after the World Series, you're all going over to somebody's house and and celebrating together. How special was that? And, and how uncommon is it for, for a locker room to be like that? It's a good question. Um, it, it is truly special. And, it, and it, I think it makes the entire experience even more special and memorable because it, winning is fantastic. Losing obviously sucks, it, it, but there's, there's different levels of, of winning and the satisfaction that comes from winning, right? If you, if you win on a team where you all are pulling from the same rope and you're literally a band of brothers, like we were um, in Philly, it, it makes it exponentially more satisfying and more memorable. Um, where if like with the, the Mets team, you know, and I played on plenty of teams that, that while we didn't win a little bit of a, of a ragtag group of misfits, right. Who you, maybe you had some guys who got it and understood, but you had other guys who 
could give a flip and were only concerned about themselves and weren't team players and, and weren't and weren't really truly concerned or focused on winning. Um, it, it so it makes being a part of a team that was that special um, makes makes the memories. And I think it's also why we have all kept so close and why we when we see each other at reunions. I mean, the, the hugs, the smiles, the, you know, the feeling that you get being back around each other. I, I can't imagine it being any better, but I could imagine it being worse if you won on a team that like the Mets where, you know, it was guys were just all over the place and, were, and, and, and weren't, you know, didn't have that one common goal or didn't all truly get together, respect each other, challenge each other. And then, you know, and could realize that they accomplished something incredible, not just on their own, but because we had 25 guys doing it. Um, that it's, it, you know, and it's, that, that's the beauty of, of baseball, right? I think it's a beauty of professional sport, especially team sport, which is it's, it's a group of, of, of individuals. It's a group of guys. It's a group of personalities and characteristics. Um, it's a, it's a group of, of different backgrounds and cultures like, and, and, and to, to have that special mix and for everybody to come together who have come from all different parts of the country or the world um, for one common goal and one common purpose, and then to do it and then to actually execute that and win it all there, there's, there is nothing better. Can you guys all get together and come back and play next year? <laughs> cause, 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 it, cause it's, it's been a decade. We we talked about you coming back to for the the Phillies postseason run. Well, obviously that that didn't happen. Um, but one of the things that that's frustrating about this team, as much as there are people like Bryce Harper, that you know it's hard just not to to love the guy and what he's done in the community, what he does for the team, what leadership he has. One of the frustrating things, and I think we talked about it the last time you were on the show, was fundamentals. And you just explained that you know. Davey Lopes and, and the coaches like pushed you to get better and, and to work on fundamentals and you worked on fundamentals. You don't see that now. It, it, is it a coaching thing? Is it, is it on the players? Is it a combination and how do you fix it? Or can you? That's a, that's a, that's a tough, tough question. Good question. Tough question. I, I don't think I, I one not being in that clubhouse so I, I, I cannot put that on the coaches, the staff, um, or, or the, the front office. I think there are certain rules and, um, and commonalities that go with baseball, just like they do with football or soccer, right? You, you, you have to be able to execute certain things, whether it's executing pitches, executing defensively, getting a getting bunts down um you saw yesterday with correa sorry that's my my my, my computer's yelling at me lunch, See, is, jeff, lunch is ready jeff thought yeah, it was ready. jeff was worried that uh, it was me so don't worry about it craig <laughs> um okay good I, I feel better. um next time just blame jason <laughs> i will <laughs> from now on jason it's all your fault um right. i yeah, there are, you have to, I, I firmly believe those things will never go away. You, you will always have to execute. But so then I think it, what it comes down to is, is philosophy, right? So you don't get to the big leagues 
without being able to execute at some point or having been taught to execute at some point, because you're not always going to be able to rely on the three run homer. And you're not always going to be able to rely on your, your, you know, your pitchers throwing shutouts uh, or keeping the other team to one or two runs. Um, and you're, you're, and you also, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're going to make errors. Your team's going to make some errors in games. Right. So I, I think it's more of a philosophical ideal and question, which is philosophically our teams and specifically if we're talking about the Phillies are the Phillies philosophically. And I don't know this question. I don't know the answer to this question. Um, are they, and I wish I could be a fly on the wall um, to hear in and listen up. Uh, but philosophically, are they preaching these things, right? Or are they just relying on their the heart of the order coming up? Guys like Harder, Harper, Real Muto, um, who both uh, who I just absolutely adore. They're they're both fantastic. Um, but if you're just relying on that and that's your philosophy, and you're not doing the little things, you're not stealing bases, you're not hitting and running. Um, you know, it become it, it, it's tough. And because those little things over 162 game season, those, those small things, those small and what may seem completely irrelevant executions moving first and second, nobody out. And someone drops a bunt and moves guys to second and third with one out something as minuscule as that, that, that can, that can, that can be enormous over the course of a season. And you can look back and say, and then you can go into the postseason. More importantly, having done those things during the regular season, and have confidence in executing in the postseason in the World Series, where the pressure is at at, at at the highest it will ever be. Right, where execution means everything. So it's a double-edged sword. If you're if if philosophically you're not asking or you're not and you're not preaching to your team and your players, and the players aren't preaching to each other as well and talking to each other about executing executing properly. Um, if you don't do that during the regular season, you can't expect them to do it in the postseason, right? So it has to start there. And, and then you can back that up further. It starts in spring training. Like what, what are, what, what's the philosophy there? Where, where what does it be? It, Cause that's where it begins truly, right? You set the tone there. And that's what Davey, you know, Lopes, Jimmy Williams, Steve Smith did so well was they set the tone in spring training. I understand the errors when you're trying thing, but the, how does a team react when a player keeps making mental errors or hustle issues. I mean, as a fan here, you hear complaints about Adubel Herrera uh, and how much talent he has, but at the same time, how there are plays that just don't make sense sometimes. How does a team react when you have a player doing things like that consistently to be inconsistent? The the team, the good teams, they police that themselves. Where... and that's what we did. We, we policed each other very well. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we got on each other, right. If, if we felt now, luckily we didn't have guys that didn't hustle and it's, and it's you know, truly, it's, it's, what do you have? What, what are you in control of the most, right? Your control of your attitude, your work ethic, your determination, your hustle, like those things you're in complete control of. 24 seven, right? So if you control them, then it becomes, okay, so you can control them. Now it's, are those things important to you, right? And for guys that don't do that consistently, 
again, whether it's maybe they're dealing with a hamstring or a calf or what, who knows, but if they are not, but if they're perfectly healthy and they're doing it consistently and not putting forth, I mean, no one's saying, I'll never forget, no one's saying being a Darren Erstad. Remember Darren Erstad? No one's saying being a Darren Erstad who would hit a one hopper back to the pitcher and would sprint to first base trying to tear both of his hamstrings off the bones. No one's saying do that. Okay. Now Darren Erstad was a mutant. That's just, that was the football in him. That was the Midwest Nebraska attitude. I, I, I loved it personally. I think that's why a guy like Chase Utley, one, again, incredibly talented, but he, he hustled and he always hustled. You never felt either as a fan or as a teammate that he was just kind of laying up. Right. So it's, it's tough to watch. It is. And um, I remember discussions though, that we'd have in the clubhouse, you know, I remember God love him, Jimmy, my boy. I mean, I remember Jimmy getting benched and I'm sure you guys remember it too for not hustling down first base and, and Jimmy's, and we sat and we talked about it after the game. Like we literally, like we sat and talked about it and, and, and Jimmy's like, Hey guys, that I get it. That's, but that's like, why am I going to, I, I'm, I'm here for 162 games, hopefully 185 or 190. Okay. That's my goal. I, I just, why should I go 95, hundred percent on a two hopper to the shortstop? And potentially do something. So, it's valid, valid argument, valid argument, right? But mm-hmm. still tough to be like, okay, but you don't have to go thirty percent. Just, just give like sixty-seven <laughs> to where it looks like you know. So, so that's the so that's the trick, really, right? The trick is give just enough to make everybody say like, okay, you got down the line, okay. But, but knowing yourself that you were like at 67 percent. That's yeah, the- but yeah, but with, with with Jimmy, I mean, yes, there were people who who were vocal about it, but I think most of us understood. To me, it was like a running back who runs out of bounds, as opposed to getting an extra half a yard when you don't need it and getting plowed over by the linebacker. The the difference between that and I think what Jason's talking about is is the mental mistakes, not not necessarily yeah. hustle, because I don't think anybody doubted um, uh, Jimmy's hustle no, when it was never. when it mattered. Never. But when you have somebody like Oduble who's constantly throwing to the wrong base and, 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 and not hitting the cutoff man. Now, as, as somebody who coached Little League Baseball, it used to drive me nuts. But those are, those are kids that are learning and you teach them. By the time you get to the major leagues, you should know what base to throw to. Your, your mind should be in the game at least for nine innings. Correct. And, 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 what, and so just to get back to the Jimmy and the, the hustle thing I picked up on the mental part I'll, I'll touch on now, but to, the, that whole scenario, what happened with Jimmy was amazing for me to learn too. I, I mean, I learned an incredible amount by Jimmy explaining it. Like, well, why would I, why would I bust so hard right down there and risk injury? And for me, a light went off. It was like, Oh, that's like, that's kind of like next level thinking. Some guys have that ability to do that. Cause they're that good. Mm-hmm. Jimmy was that good. Um, I, I wasn't, so I always had to like, and plus I wasn't as fast as him. So I, I really <laughs> had to try to move, um, I'm a lot larger human. Um, but, but the, 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 the mental, the mental side that, that is, that is very, very frustrating when, you know, when, when guys 
mentally aren't locked in and cued in again it's it's the, it's one of the one things that you can't control is is your focus and mentally being there you're not always going to physically be there but mentally you 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 should be there almost every night and i i understand it's tough guys are dealing with a lot maybe there's stuff off the field they're dealing with family issues get it right it's we're humans we're fallible we're emotional totally understand um but to have a have a player or players that continue to make those types of just mental errors, not hitting a cutoff man, right? How I get it. It's I, I've missed cutoff man. So listen, I, I'm, I, I'm no. me saying like, I've hit every cutoff man. I'm like, no, I've, I've, I've done, come on. I've done it. Not purposely, but I've done it. <laughs> to have that happen over and over again, I don't, I like, how do you, how do you get through to that player? And there are a, a litany of players in the league that you'd, you'd want to have that talk with. It's like, okay, well, by you doing that, you really, you're putting the rest of the team at jeopardy of, 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 of potentially losing this game because of, of a lack of execution or a lack of, of, of mental awareness. And I, and I think that, that's, that's tough. I think, I don't know if it's the, you know, I, we've discussed this on, on our, our last discussion was the new age player, right? And, and, and the differences between the players of old, you know, 20, 30 years ago and the players of today, right? Where it's, are, are they, you know, are they more concerned with their, their personal stats? Are they more concerned with showing off their cannon, right? And airmailing everybody. I, I think you, you, you see it more often than you do. Like, it, Vladimir Guerrero and Ichiro Suzuki could do that, okay, because they had absolute cannons and 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 they were accurate and and so and so no one questioned them. If you're not one of those and you're consistently doing that and making those sort of mental errors and mental mistakes, yeah, there's something wrong there. We got about five minutes left. I I don't. I mean, there's so many different directions we could go. The potential work stoppage. I don't really want to go there though. We've had a bunch of ups on lately. Um, we've talked about Ums Care and the work that they've done. The conversations are always fun. From a player perspective, what was it like to relate to the Ums at home plate? You always see those conversations and laughing going on. We heard stories of throwing managers out where the manager's basically giving recommendations of what to order for Italian that night while he's yelling at them. Uh, what's your interactions with the Ums? Um, uh, while I was playing... Uh, there's, you know, listen, there, there's that, how do I, how do I eloquently put this? I love how um, you're it doesn't to matter. They're out. not calling balls and strikes on you. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I, know, you know? I, know, I know, I know, but <laughs> come on. Um, the, the, the relationship between the, the, the player and the umpire, you know, through the minor leagues, you, 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 just, you didn't know who they were because you were going from league to league and you're going up and down. Like You didn't know. There's just umpires. There's men in blue. And, and they're always out to get you. So, so there is that, right? There's, there's always that in the back of your head. You get to the big leagues and now you're with guys like Angel Hernandez, uh, Cho West, uh, Hallian, um, Wolf, you're with these guys who have been around just a few. There's so many others. Um, Dan Izonia, like there's, there's, they've been there for and now. And if you become a guy who's been there for a while, you, you, you develop relationships with them. And, and I, I saw it more catchers, obviously like, 
like Chooch, right? Chooch, part of his genius and why he was so good was he took pride in developing relationships with the home plate umpire, right? To, to like, why not ingratiate yourself to him and have a, a civil, you know, honest understanding relationship that, that's, it can only help. Right. Um, but to have, but to be able to like, say like, Hey, under his breath, like, like, Hey man, that ball, that ball's a strike, you know, like as Chooch would do, Hey, that's a, that's a strike, man. Um, to, but to be able to have that, um, very valuable. I, I enjoyed it because I, in, like I said, in the minor leagues, um, I, I didn't have any relationships with any, with any umpire, but when I got to the big leagues and I established myself in the big leagues, um, I, 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 I felt like I could open up and I could say hello to Wolfie when he was at third, right. And Wolfie and I would have great back and forth. Um, he'd always flex because he's always like work. He's like, Hey, check out my catfish. Like, right here. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Wolfie, you're jacked. Okay. You're, you're, you're jacked. I wish I looked like you and you're an umpire. Oh, he's, so, the, okay. he's the Ed Hockley of baseball, huh? I mean, the dude <laughs> is freaking yoked. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed it as, and I enjoyed making those and getting, and, and then it, you get to know them on a more personal level and you realize they're human beings too. They've got a really tough job, by the way. Right. And a very thankless job, mind you, like that job is thankless, like literally, because everybody is looking for the umpire to make one mistake and they're humans. They make mistakes. Well, now not so much with replay right now. That's kind of gone out the window, really. Like you think about it. Um, no, nah, they still get it wrong. They still get it. <laughs> Not the umpires, the replay officials. Yeah. <laughs> the re- True. That's right. That's right. But it's like all's forgiven. Everything's washed away. Right. right? Um, and um, so I, I, I really appreciated. One of the things I appreciated in my time at the big leagues was getting to know these guys and creating kind of relationships, right. And understanding um, because you never know. You just, you never, maybe, maybe saying hello, a simple hello to Laz Diaz. Okay. And then, me speaking some broken Spanglish to him, right? And he goes like, oh, hey, tu habla? Wow, hey, yeah, well, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you didn't know. No, I looked Dominican. Um, you know, <laughs> like, who knows if that helps? If behind the plate, you know, he comes up and he's like, hey, Dover, how you doing? Hey, Lass, how's, how's it going, man? You know, who, maybe maybe he gives, maybe he calls a, a strike a ball, right? I, who, I, I, but I enjoyed getting to know them. And I'll, I'll one of my favorite umpire stories <laughs> again pat the bat um we're we're in, we're, we're in philly and uh night game hallian's behind the plate and you know he does that ah you know he just he's just so animated and everybody's like oh my god burls up and i'm i'm on deck and <laughs> strike two and hallian ah, rings him on strike two <laughs> pat literally doesn't doesn't flinch doesn't move in the box all he does is look at him and out and out loud goes hey Alan, back it down tom back it down <laughs> and then, what happened <laughs> hallian through the mask was like seven shades of red was sick. but pat handled it so beautifully he just said Back it down. 
and then went and then went back to his whole like pre-pitch routine. I lost it on the on-deck circle. I because he said it so loud. Like we all, we, I mean, the first row in Citizens Bank could hear it. It was incredible. It Jeff's was amazing. Gonna, Jeff's gonna try I hope that. He swung, I hope he swung at the next pitch because I'm sure it was a strike no matter where it was. <laughs> no, I no, I, I I no no. I think he worked a walk. I think he worked a walk. <laughs> oh, I guess he did no. back it down. Look, he Jeff, did. I know you've just given Jeff something to try on me on the show. Like I'll get into something. I'll be like, back it down. <laughs> <laughs> back it down, Jeff. Did you did you ever come close to getting thrown out? I yeah, in the minor leagues. Yeah, but not but not even really. I, I, I just I had a long fuse. And then when I got to the big leagues. I was like, okay, well, I, I don't really play that much. So if I get thrown out, that means like I'm not playing and I, I really want the opportunity to play. So I, I, I probably could have more so than I, I thought I could and maybe could have pushed the line a little bit. But no, I will remember it, the one time I got really close to being thrown out in the minor leagues, I drew a line in the <laughs> – so we're in Tacoma. I swear I'm a Seattle triple A. And I, I take a pitch and, and the umpire had been slightly lenient with his, with his strike zone. I take a pitch that is in, and it's almost literally in the batter's box in my batter's box over the white line. It was definitely in between the plate and the white line of the, the inside of the batter's box. And I looked at him and I go, that's, that's not a strike. There's no way that ball's in. And he's like, no, Greg, no, no, that Greg, that's that's that was that was on the plate. And I go, no way. I have this ball here, and I, and I didn't, I didn't know this, but I was told this by my manager afterwards. And he could not believe I didn't get thrown out. But it was like, <laughs> it's like, what was that movie where they said, you know, you can insult somebody, but and you can say the worst thing about them, but if you preface it with all due respect, so with all due respect, I hate you. Or with all due respect, you know, go fly. Like if you if you just preface it, and I somehow in my tone I prefaced it, I guess with with all due respect, you suck. Um, and I drew a line in the dirt, and to show him where the I thought the pitch was, and I apparently that is like an unwritten rule that you and that that is right there. Like if you start, you are gone. Like they are tossing you. But he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't toss me. He didn't throw me out of, and my manager couldn't believe it. He was like, I, I, I've never seen anyone do that. Like you usually like see you later. There's a showers. So yeah, but by the way, as, as, as somebody who practices law, you can, you can't say with all due respect and get away with whatever you're going to say next. So I, I'm amazed that you got away with it. Well, with, with all due respect, I'm not going to try and get away with anything, but we're going to have to cut it there for the interview. Greg, we could talk to you all day about everything. We'll definitely have you back again to talk more. This was a blast, man. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Chase. Thanks, Jeff. I, I love being on with you guys. Thank you so much. Jeff, I know you are still annoyed all these years later about the traffic in the parking lot that apparently now was caused in part by Greg Dobbs going to hang out with Pat Burrell. Uh, I'm I'm still in that parking mess. <laughs> it it is amazing. Like the story. Now we have talked a lot about the whole once upon a time in Queens. Look at how how much how different it was for that Phillies team. How much they loved being together and what cohesiveness. And it's such a shame that that team did not win more World Series. They got to one more, 
but but they didn't. But there was a lot of stuff that there was good stuff that came out of that. Not just not just his stories, but talking about people like O'Double, who is not going to be on is the Phillies no longer anymore. a Philly. So uh, so he and Andrew McCutcheon will not be on the Phillies team. It looks like next year. Well, hold on, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be. Well, on they're the not team. tendered well, offers. Correct. So they so. could sign them again. But this, my guess is, I think with there's all zero the chance that they sign O'Double Herrera again. I hope I so. pray there is zero chance that they <laughs> sign a duplicate again. I'll rephrase that. <laughs> Can uh, you imagine if they did? I'd lose no. my mind. Fifty. So what do you want to do? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, so we talked about there's a ton of free agents this year. Yes. Like, the, like the hot stove leagues can well, actually be exciting. You said you want Correa and to yes. build everybody around it. Bring up, bring up Bison Stott, and we got thirty seconds left. Picture so. that infield. This is this is how we should leave people for this week. With this thought, as it's now you know freezing outside. An infield of Correa at third, up and coming Bryson Stott at shortstop, Segura at second, Reese Hoskins at first, JT Riomuto behind the plate. Is that an infield? Yeah, I could work with that. It's better than what we got this year. And, and then and then add those players when you're batting and put Bryce Harper in there. See, you went long. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night. Start your weekend in style. <laughs>